right, today on the Rise of Entrepreneur, we have a special guest, Samantha Peters. She's an entrepreneur, business owner, empowerment woman who has completely changed her life and wants to do the same for other people. Samantha, welcome on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here today. We are excited. I mean, we've been talking about this podcast for over a week. Yeah. Within our group, oh. within our people, That's you know, amazing. and it's because of your story. It's because of what you bring, you know, to the table. And when I say that, it's because we've seen what you have done with Ed Maled. We have seen what you have done on different news channels. Mm -hmm. And we're excited to learn more about your story because we have yes. a lot of people, a lot of audience can relate to you. Mm -hmm. And most importantly is that we want to know how does one change their behavior? How does one go out there and change their self-conception? And you're an expert in that. Yeah, that's a great question. So I really think it starts with your thoughts, right? What you think on a daily basis and knowing that 95% of your subconscious mind is created by the age of 18. So a lot of the patterns and behaviors that we learn are such a young age. So I had to really reflect on my childhood and how I was treated and really do that inner work to rewrite my entire subconscious mindset and rewrite those neural pathways in my brain to think more positively. Wow. And also to answer your question, it's really being around, surrounding yourself with people who believe in you, yeah. who see something so special in you and really looking at your purpose and um, how you can trans transform other people's lives. I love it. Love it. Tell our audience, because we have audience all over the United States, internationally, yeah. and majority of our audience is actually women. Wow. Yeah, because they go in and they want to be able to show the world that they can do it too. And I know mm -hmm. you're big into empowerment. Yes. Tell us about you and your story. How did you decide to be able to take on this profession? Um, that's a really great question. I feel like... You know, growing up in my childhood, um, I had a very toxic upbringing. Both of my parents were on Social Security disability. Um, my mom had cancer. She has MS. Um, my father was, is an alcoholic. And so, you know, I grew up seeing what I didn't want. I didn't want to become that. I knew that I had to be the one person in my bloodline that made that change. Wow. And, um, you know, even my little brother, he... I'll never forget this story. This was two years ago at Christmas. He was in a coma for 10 days because of drugs and alcohol. And I had to, you know, take a hard look in the mirror. I'm like, I need to be the person that changes my generation for years to come. And so I feel like going through all that pain that really, you know, created my purpose, all that pain that I went through. And, um, you know, when you're at that low point, it's it's hard, but you you have to rise up and you have to know that you're here yeah. for a reason. And um, I just want to be able to impact millions of people's lives with my story and show them that it is possible too. And it's really doing that deep inner work, knowing your trauma responses, knowing that you're you know you're telling yourself these red light stories, and you could absolutely change that, change them wow. to change the trajectory of your life. So. There's a video of me turning four years old in a refugee camp, and I have my older brother, Arthur, next to me. Mm -hmm. And there's literally a church candle on a piece of, you know, it's a bread that was covered with some type of frosting. And I'm right there, and I'm smiling from ear to ear. I'm happy. Yeah. But we're in a refugee camp. We're going through 
disaster. We're living in a 350 square foot room. I didn't know that this was bad. I didn't know that, oh, what I'm going through is it's not normal. For me, I accepted it. My parents gave me love. They gave me support. We were united. Mm -hmm. And I was happy. When I showed this video to my kids, they're like, where are the gifts? Where are the decorations? Where are the people? Why is it so dark? Well, Why are the people chills. sitting on the bed? Where, where Where's the furniture, Dad? And when you don't know something, you just don't know, right? right. Mm -hmm. When did you start to know that you were in a toxic family environment? When did you start to realize, wow, this is bad? Yeah, I think it came to the point where I, I had to get the cops involved. Um, yeah. yeah, and so... Um, I had to take a hard look at myself and realize, like, and do I want to become my father? And obviously, that was not the case. And right. I think you have to look at people in your life and really ask yourself, would you want to switch positions with them? Right. You know, and I feel like at that point when I was in college, coming out of college, um, I got kicked out of my house and I had to find a place to live. And all this was happening um, with the cops, my father, and, um, I feel like I, I knew that at that point I created my own reality and I had to do something to change that. Yeah. And I just started reading books. I started, um, you know, entering Tony Robbins courses and Dean Graciosi and starting to go to these conferences and really taking a look at the people that I surrounded myself with and really realized that I wanted more for myself and so it, I think it was a factor of all of those things happening at once. It really puts you in that low place. Yeah. But then, like I said, you, you have to rise up from it. And you have to know that you deserve more from life. And how old are you at that point? Um, at that point, I was, I think, 21 years old. 21. Okay, wow. Yeah. So you said something that was very important. You said, you know, your most of your subconscious mind is developed by the age of 18. Yes. So... Take me all the way back to your childhood. I mean, let's just say you are in the first grade. Yeah. What What's your identity look like? I mean, when you come home, when you go to school, mm -hmm. are you comparing yourself to other kids? Are you comparing your parents to other people's parents? What's going on in Samantha's mind when she's in first grade? Yeah. Um, I feel like at that point, I didn't really know the difference. You know, um, when I got older, I realized that, you know, I had friends whose parents were so welcoming and warming and just um, were there for them, them getting amazing Christmas presents yeah. and all of that. And um, I never saw their parents yell or scream at them. And that's what my house looked like. It was constantly screaming and yelling and my father pinning my mother against us. She always had to choose him and not us for certain situations. And um, yeah, it was just constant put down. And I know I spoke to you about this before, but I feel like your father should be the first person that loves you. Yep. And I didn't have that love. And it took me so long to realize that he was projecting all of his pain and suffering from how he grew up onto me. And so he never healed those wounds and he just projected them on us. And it took me a while to get to that realization. And at that point, I just, you know, sent him love. There's nothing I could do to change him, but there's everything that I can do to change my circumstances and wow. who I am and, you know, my future family's life. So, um, yeah, it took a lot of introspection to realize that, um, 
you know, I didn't have to believe those stories he told me. I didn't have to believe I was worthless or I would never amount to anything or any of those negative things that I can rise above and that I could become everything that I truly wanted to be. You said something you said, and stay here with me on this. Mm -hmm. You said he lo the first person that should love you, you know, especially if you're, you know, a girl is your father, right? Yes. He, he didn't love you. That's your perception of it. That was my perception. Okay. Did you love him? I feel like I had so much hatred towards him. Um, but I know now that everyone in your life is supposed to be that person mm -hmm. that you come here with. Um, I forget the name of it, but you know, we're all, we all come into this. We kind of make like a compact mm -hmm. with the universe and he had to be that person for me to be able to become who I am now. So looking back at it, I do pray for him all the time. I do send so much love because if I didn't go through those really tough times, I mm -hmm. wouldn't be able to help other women see their worth and their value if they came from nothing as well. What do you think was the stemming point from him to treat you the way he treated you? Oh, absolutely. His father. His father was very toxic. He was an alcoholic. He was beaten and that's all he knew. He didn't try to make those changes in his life. And so he just did that to his family. To us. Have you ever had, you know, a real conversation with him and let him know how his actions, behaviors towards you have shaped you to be who you are? Yeah, that's a really great question. So um, actually last year when I was on the Ed Milet show, mm. he was backstage with me. And at that Your point, father. he was. Wow. And at that point, I didn't really have much conversation with him for almost 12 years. I mm -hmm. cut him out of my life after I had to get the cops involved. And he was backstage and he was supposed to be on the show with me. Supposed and to sit next to you. He was supposed to sit next to me. Wow. And at the last minute, Five minutes before we were going on with Ed Milet, they cut him from the show. And Why? they, I think it was because when the producers were pulling us separately, he still wasn't taking accountability for the person he was. And they wanted the show to be more about me than I mean, him. Yeah. And so they made that decision right on the fly. And it changed everything about what we were supposed to talk to. I really wanted Ed to help my father see that, right. you know, he he did cause a lot of toxicity in my life and to take accountability for that. But I wanted to ask you when I was learning about your story, mm -hmm. I said, wow, what a just emotional and just hurtful story because you're, you're such a nice person. You're such a yeah. kind individual. And I wanted to know from you, and this is a two part question. What was your saddest moment in your life if you could remove it, erase it, never repeat it, or wish upon anyone else that you that you have a you know memory of, um, I think it was when we went on our last family vacation to Wildwood, New Jersey, and um, at that point, my father was drinking so much, and he was using oxycotton's, and he was just in a completely altered state of mind. And I remember him waking up; it was around like four in the morning, rummaging to find his pills because. I guess, needed, needed them. them at that point. Right. And I asked him what he was doing and he came over to me and he just like bashed my head into the wall several times for, for me just asking that question. Wow. And, um, 
yeah, that was a really low point for me because I'm like, I don't deserve this. Why, why are you treating me that way? And, um, you know, it wasn't until after I realized that he has so much pain himself that he's never worked through. And, um, yeah, he just has to take it out on other people and he's really not willing to, um, see himself in the mirror and what he's, he's done to our family. He just blames everyone else for it. So that was a really, really low point for me being with my family. It was supposed to be the last magical vacation that we went on because we were getting older and that situation happens. The second part of that question is what was the happiest moment? What do you take yourself when things are not going your way? Mm -hmm. Things are very bad and you just replay that moment in your life of you, you know, bringing that smile back. Yeah, I think um, there's so many moments now that, I mean, I always try to find gratitude in everything that I do now, and I'm so grateful for all the opportunities that I've had. Um, I would say, honestly, being on the Ed Milet show, because, I don't know, for some reason, I'm huge into the law of attraction. I just Mm. had no resistance. I knew when I put in my application for that show that I was going to be on there. I I, I don't know. I just knew. I had this feeling. And when I got that phone call, it just knowing and solidifying that I can create my own reality. If I believe something with my whole heart, I can create it for myself. And I feel like that was just validation. And then he's just also been such an inspiration to me in my life. Mm. I mean, we have a very similar upbringing. His father was also an alcoholic. And I just relate to so many things that he had to work through and just his message of changing the world and being that one in your family that does so, um, yeah, it was just amazing meeting him, being on the show, telling my story, and knowing that um, there's so much more left to do on this, this earth. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this question. This might be a tough question for you to answer. Would you rather grow up with no father or grow up with the one that you had? <sighs> that is a great question. Um, I feel like I wouldn't change it. As crazy as that sounds, I feel like I have such a drive now to share my story and to create awareness around, you know, a lot of women struggle with trauma and we talked about being in bad relationships. And I feel like that absolutely stems from your childhood. Um, So if I didn't go through all of these challenging things with my father and all that toxicity, then I really wouldn't be who I am today. So I I wouldn't change it as hard as it was. I wouldn't change it. Let's just say our listeners all around the world mm-hmm. are listening to you right now, and they may be in a toxic family environment. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for them? I think realizing that it's on them. They're projecting on you, and they're going through so much pain in their life right. that they have to make other people feel as awful as they do. And there's people out there that want to see you win. And I found a lot of times it doesn't come from your friend group. It comes from strangers, people that, you know, might come across your page on Instagram or people that you can connect with at conferences or whatever. And they want so much more for your life. And you have to want that as well. You need to want to have that change. You were an elementary school teacher. I was. Okay. Mm -hmm. And... From what I remember growing up, and I think this is just entire school system, mm-hmm. stranger danger. Yes. Okay. Mm. We're taught not to like strangers. Right. We're taught to push away the strangers. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the closest people to us are the ones that hurt us the most. Mm-hmm. So is it society that makes us vulnerable 
and allows us to open up to the people that we're supposed to love, supposed to trust, and we're constantly being let down because of our expectations. What do you think? Yeah, I think absolutely to your point that society does teach that stranger danger. And I find the more that I connect with people, the more that I share my story, the more that I go to these conferences, I feel like you absolutely should be able to connect with strangers. I feel like it's changed my life so much in network marketing as well, um, being able to reach out to people. Um, so yeah, I think that that's a huge stereotype now that as a teacher, we used to teach that, right? When we had to make sure that whatever whoever the child was leaving with was a loved one. Right. And yeah, I feel like that is a definitely a complicated question to answer. Yes. But um, yeah, I think you should embrace being able to meet people and hear their stories, like I mentioned, and have that connection with people. How do you... You know, for me, you, you're brought into a family, right? And you expect your mom, your dad to be your protectors, your nurturers. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, your mom and dad are the ones that are beating you down, putting mm -hmm. you down, making you feel small. If, if there's a person that's 16, 17, 18 years old that does not have ability to leave the house, how would they cope with those things? Yeah, Um I've experienced a lot of trauma responses and I feel like at that point of being so young, you just have to realize that's on them and you don't have to believe everything they say. You mm -hmm. don't have to have the same life. You, you absolutely have so much control over your thoughts and your mind. So I would journal, I would journal out everything that I was going through just to get it off my mind. I would do positive affirmations, look at myself in the mirror that's really helped me. Also, um, something else in my journal that I do is just closing your eyes and visualizing the future that you really want and feeling those feelings mm -hmm. as if you already had it and writing out a bright future because law of attraction is real. And if you truly believe that for yourself, you can absolutely bring it into your experience. So, you know, for anyone going through that trauma, definitely take time for introspection. Know that it's not you and people are projecting those feelings onto you. And knowing that you have control over everything. I agree. And if I could just add to our audiences what I would do if mm -hmm. I was growing up in a toxic you know, environment, relationship. Mm -hmm. First thing, I would occupy myself not to be in the house as much as I could. Yeah. Right? That's a great point. Second thing, I would find a job or opportunity mm -hmm. to be able to make as much income as I can, save as much as I can, so I can get my own place, get my own car, and be able to get out of that situation. Yeah. Because a lot of times we complain about where we are, but we're not doing anything about it. You're right. Right? Mm -hmm. So the best thing to do is to take action upon yourself mm -hmm. right, and say, I don't belong here. Mm -hmm. I deserve more. I deserve better. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to create a plan on how to get out of this mess. Yes. Even though it's not the mess you created, mm -hmm. you still got to clean it up. Yes. I agree with all of that too, along with doing that introspection. Yeah. yeah. You left educational system. I did. Right? Mm -hmm. Tell us why. So, I mean, there's there's so many reasons, but I would definitely say the main one is because what they're teaching our children, I don't value. I don't, it doesn't align with my values. And um, I feel like as horrible as this is, they're just making great citizens who 
you know, leave school and they work a nine to five and they're a slave to society and they're stuck in the matrix. So I really had to take a hard look at, you know, what I was doing and, you know, the impact that I want to make. And it definitely wasn't at that small level anymore. I think you wanted to make an impact and you believe that it comes through form of education. Yes. It was just not formal education. Mm -hmm. It was self-education. It was was empowerment to Mm -hmm. people that want to better their life. And I think you're still doing that. Mm-hmm. You're just not doing it for educational system mm-hmm. that's formal. Yes. Well, very true. Yeah. <laughs> now, let me ask you, when you started, right, to put the pieces together, mm-hmm. okay, well, they, they just want workers. They don't want thinkers. They want people to follow their specific agenda. They're all part of Matrix. What clicked for you? Like, when was this like, okay, this, 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 okay, this makes sense. I don't want to do this. I feel like when I started network marketing. Okay. Yeah. So I was still teaching at the time and I was also bartending. So that's where I met Arthur. That's where I met you. And um, I feel like I was just living to work. Like there must be more. And Mm. I was praying for an opportunity and actually a stranger reached out to me and she offered me the opportunity and I'm like, you know what? I need to say yes. And so I just saw how these women were so inspiring and they were leaving their nine to five jobs and they were, you know, same pain points as me, you know, and having other people have control over your schedule, over your time and when you can take vacation. I remember they wouldn't even approve personal time when I wanted to go to a conference. It was just like, this is this is crazy. You're yeah. dictating what I can do with my life. Right, right. And at that point when I just saw a different way and I was a part of that community, um, it really helped just to inspire me to think very differently. I love it. I love it. Now, you've been in business empowering women and men. What do you think is a woman's role in the world today and what is a man's role in the world today? That's a hard question. I actually, I go back and forth with that because I do think there should be a split between the masculine and the feminine energy, right? But I also think it's important for women to be very loving and nurturing, but also have something for them that they're helping to change the world. They have a purpose in this life and it's not just to be a mom. For me, I definitely want children, but I also want to build up this empire that, you know, I created or if I'm with a significant other, we created together. So um, I definitely do feel like men should be the people that protect you and make you feel safe Mm -hmm. and be the provider. But I also want to be that person that helps create that, too. Do you think if two people went on a date, men and a woman, Mm -hmm. who should pay? I think a man should pay. You think men should pay? I do. Why? Because, I I mean, I always offer to split the bill. Yes. Absolutely. But I feel like I want a man who can provide for me, who can take care of me, who I feel safe with. And I want to know that they could do that for me, you know? Yes. It's not just like, oh, I, I want a free meal. I want that to know right. that security to feel, feel being safe. What are the top five things that you look for in a partner that you weren't able to see in other men that was a turnoff for you that you'd say you know what that that i i can't work with that anymore so what do i want in a man now yeah, okay. what, what, what are the turnoffs what the tur- are the okay. absolutely no no's um 
Um, I mean, physical appearance is everything, right? It shows that you want to take care of yourself and you dedicate yourself to going to the gym, to eating healthy, because that all plays into your mindset. Um, So yeah, definitely someone who, um, I feel like I'm switching it around, but. um. That's okay. So (laughs) you don't want a slub. Yeah, exactly. You you want somebody who who puts Mm -hmm. an effort into their appearance, their lifestyle, their body, their health, Mm -hmm. all those things. So, Okay. Second one. Sorry, we try to spit it in the positive. That's so, fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> we actually just talked about how people learn two different ways. Yeah. One is negative, one is positive. Mm-hmm. So let me rephrase that question. What are the five must things? I love it. Okay. You know, your partner <laughs> must have mm-hmm. for you to be saying, you know what, I'm attracted to that and I will give that to a chance. Yeah, just like we talked about. So, you know, physical appearance, appearance wellness care about their health. That's, I feel like, number one. Um, Number two is having a vision for their future and what they want, Mm. goals that they want to accomplish, why they're here. If they're living in their divine purpose, I think that is so important and that puts them in their masculine energy. Um, Someone who I can feel safe with. I think that's the biggest thing for me because growing up, I never felt safe. I was always walking on eggshells. I never knew how my father was going to react to me. So feeling safe and comforted and feeling feeling wow. loved. Um, that's huge. Also, I think trust is a huge thing too. I find a lot of times in relationships and even seeing with my friends' relationships, um, asking them to go to conferences and they can't because their significant other will tell them not to. And I feel like your person should lift you up and, you know, be by your side and want yeah. you to become the best version of you. And so not having someone take that away from me, giving me that flexibility to be able to do what I want, but also trust me and to know that I would never do anything to hurt right. and harm the relationship. So trust. And then one more. Um, I think adventure. I like the unknown. I think it's what makes life so exciting. So someone who's adventurous and who would want to go on a vacation and plan it that day or the next day, just someone who, you know, keeps me on my toes and someone who loves life. How important for a man to have money? You know, a lot of times people look at it and say, well, if a woman looks for a man to have money, it, they consider that woman a gold digger. But also, I think we're, we're just now looking from a different perspective, mm-hmm. right? If you are somebody who's able to produce, able to have money, right? That means you're able to provide, mm-hmm. right? So when people go into relationships, should they look for a man that can provide? I absolutely think so. And right. I don't think it's being a gold digger. I think it's, you know, you want more for your life. And if you're, if I'm willing to make money and make these sacrifices and try to become my best version, I believe money has a lot to do with it, right? right. Money, money is an energy. It's a frequency, right? So you need to be in alignment with that abundance. And I don't want someone who has a lackful mindset. And so it's definitely not just money. It's, you know, the person who you are, your mission, what you want to do and how mm-hmm. you want to serve along with so many other aspects. But I do think that is huge. Right, right. Now let's flip it. What are the five things a woman should have to attract a high-value man? I think it's the same thing. I feel like if you want to be able to attract what I just said, you need to be that. Okay. You need Because if not, it's not going to work. You need to be the person you want to attract. But also, you know, you need to feel worthy of that. 
I think that's the biggest thing. There's a theory going around, and you see this a lot on social media and a lot of you know conversation that I'm part of. Always bring me this example and they say, "Well, would you date somebody if you were single and did not have three kids, Albert, and were not married? Would you ever date somebody who worked at McDonald's? Would you ever date somebody who's working at Walmart and does not make a lot of money?" And the answer is yes, because that's not, I'm not looking for a woman to come in with money, right? I'm the provider, the in provider. my opinion. Mm-hmm. But then there's a conception to, well, the woman would never, a high-value woman would never date somebody from McDonald's or Walmart because the first thing comes up, what can they offer? What, can, what value does this man bring? Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think... I think I would agree with you. I mean, I talk to a lot of men who are, are very wealthy and they're not necessarily looking for, you know, a woman who has all that abundance that they do. But I also feel like you need to be on the same frequency and yeah. I feel like mindset is everything. So I don't feel like I would personally be able to date someone who yeah. um, works at McDonald's because I want more from my life. And I just think our mindsets would be completely different in what we want. Um, but I think it might be a little different for men in what, what they want, because I feel like men want a nurturing, loving woman. And sometimes man, a man just wants them to take care of their kids. So, so I'm, I've been in a relationship for 11 years. Yeah. I have three beautiful children yeah. and I build a very successful business, multiple businesses. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest with you. I would not be where I am if it wasn't for my wife. You know, talking about that frequency, that Mm -hmm. energy, it's literally, you might have a phone, you might have a charger, but you still need a plug. Mm -hmm. And she was that plug for me. She is that plug for me, right? That peace Mm -hmm. that believed in me when no one else believed in me. And there was times where I couldn't afford two Taco Bells, right? Two tacos from Taco Bell, but she still was there because she saw more of who Mm -hmm. I could be rather than who I was. And to me, that completely changed everything because there was my own family didn't believe in me. My own friends didn't believe mm-hmm. in me. But my wife stood there with me telling me that I can do it, I will do it, mm-hmm. and I must do it. And I tell this, I say this all the time. People fall out of love, right? It's normal to fall out of love. And if one day something happens when we fall out of love, my story wouldn't change. She is always be the big part of my story always be somebody that changed me for the better Mm -hmm. so i think you know a lot of times we see people for who they are not for who they can be do you think people can change their mind their subconscious mind their behavior if somebody's working at mcdonald's today could that person come in and empower them to be greater Absolutely. I've done it in my life, right? Where I came from. And I think you can absolutely change your mindset. And I think I love hearing your story. That was so beautiful. And I think that, you know, as long as your person believes in you and knows and sees so much more in you, um, I think that's, that's so important in being your rock too. Love it. I love it. What is the next project you're working on right now? So I'm set to publish my second journal um, at the end of this month. It's actually um, 100 journal prompts to help heal from childhood trauma. So it's everything that I've had to do, all of the trauma responses that I had to 
realize myself that I had to go through um, to change that um, actually has love languages and knowing how trauma affects that and um, coping mechanisms and your stress response. So yes, I'm almost done with that. And for all your listeners too, I actually do have a free ebook. I'll send you the link and it's Unleashing Your Inner Confidence. So I was on the news wow. sharing um, that book that I published as well. So I'll definitely give that to your listeners for I mean, free. you guys can all see how confident she is. You know, how Taking much, a long time yeah, to get here. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, obviously your stuff works mm-hmm. because you went through hell and back. Mm-hmm. And look at you today. You know, you are doing big things. You're empowering people. You're building businesses. Mm-hmm. You know, you're coaching people. You're writing multiple journals. Mm-hmm. You're publishing these things. You have an ebook. To me, that's fantastic, Thank right? You. But the question is, how long does it take for somebody to go and take your stuff mm-hmm. and just change and transform? I think it has to do with the individual and how fast they want to transform their life, and if they're willing to put in those hours. Like I've. <laughs> On the weekends, instead of going out and partying, I would be, you know, in my living room and I'd be listening to these workshops and trying to, you know, rewrite my mind and listen to these empowering people. So I really think it's up to the person. But I mean, I give you all the tools that you need to help do that. And you could absolutely do it within months it's it's taken me years but tony robbins always says you know when you have a mentor you're taking decades and you can have all that information that you learned and put it into days of things so that's what i've done everything that i went through um, i put in my journals of what's helped me really get to the next level of confidence or rewriting my mind to think in a different different way wow wow you know people have problems with self-sabotage mm-hmm. right and it's due to their environment due to the fact that they've been through a lot of trauma and then they start to second guess themselves mm-hmm. self-sabotage themselves my question to you is when somebody is self-sabotaging themselves how do they stop that what are the next mm-hmm. i would say five steps you know moves they can take upon to be able to not do that Yeah, that's an amazing question. I get that a lot. So it's realizing yourself sabotaging. I think that's the first part. Realizing that negative thought pattern and stopping it. So being aware. Being aware. Okay. Stopping that Mm -hmm. and rewriting it for more empowering belief. Okay. So in that moment that you notice you're doing it, you stop it, and then you say something to counteract that and make it positive. Interesting. And that's how you rewrite your mindset. That's how you create deeper neuropathways. Because right now, if they're self-sabotaging, that neuropathway is so big. And that's why they constantly think like that. But if you stop it, it's kind of like scratching a CD. And the more you do that, the more you scratch it, those limiting beliefs, you can actually stop them all. Let's just say somebody's listening to this and they say, but Samantha, I don't believe what I'm saying. I don't believe it. But it's on autopilot. Now it is. It's in your subconscious mind. What is the negative or the positive? The negative. Right. So how the positive that I'm saying, I don't believe in that positive. I could read all the affirmations I want. How do I make myself believe in what I'm reading? You have to have that feeling behind it. You have to know that you're worth it. And you, the more you do it and the more feelings that you attach with it and the more that you visualize yourself becoming that, I think that's important. But if you don't believe it yourself, Look at other people because they believe it for themselves. And if you know someone else can believe that for them and you mm-hmm. see that in them, 
you can absolutely do that for yourself. But it's it's definitely that mindset shift and doing it repetitively. What do you think it stems from people not liking themselves? I think it stems from your environment and how you grew up. Your environment and how you grew up. Mm-hmm. I met people that grew up in the rich families. I met people that have everything. Mm-hmm. But yet they're still depressed. They're still unhappy with how they look. They still tell themselves they're not good enough. So what is the explanation towards that person? They probably have someone in their life where they maybe don't feel like they're good enough. Maybe I, I have a lot of rich friends who have rich parents and they've become rich because they acquired wealth and maybe they think they can never live up to that expectation. I don't know. It's different for everyone, uh, I feel like. But getting to that root cause of really understanding why you believe those things are the biggest thing that's going to help you heal and move forward. Interesting. So at what point would you say people give up and they don't change who they need to be? At what point? I mean... I really think it depends on the individual and I feel like a lot of people just live in that mundane and they wake up and the next day is going to be the same and the next day, but you have to have that larger vision for what you want your future to look like so you can wake up out of bed and you could be excited. So I really just think it has to do with what you want for your future to look like and are you willing to make those sacrifices to make those changes? If not, you're going to be living the same life you've always lived. So where are the signs, right, to know, okay, I don't like myself. What I'm doing right now, it doesn't serve me. Like, how does one become aware? Yeah, I think, you know, the number one thing is what you're fueling your body. I find a lot of times people are just eating junk food, fast food, because they don't really care about their body. And I feel like food is everything. I've ever since I started eating completely organic, very clean, it's it's a different frequency, your food, right? And I know you you believe this too. And so I think it's it's so important to eat those healthy foods. And if someone doesn't feel great about themselves, a lot of times they're drinking, they're doing drugs, they're fueling their body with things that aren't going to help them. So I think that has a lot to do with it. So if I'm trying to become aware and I'm looking at my situation, the first thing I got to do is say, what am I feeding my body? Mm-hmm. What am I feeding my mind? Yes. Right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What are the people around me? Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. And they start to evaluate those things. Well, I'm hanging out with, you know, gangsters, robbers, people that are bullies. What impact service do they bring to me? Not, Right? Are they positive or they're negative? Negative. I'm eating junk food. I'm at Popeye's Chick-fil-A. I'm feeding my body with chemicals. I don't feel healthy. I can't run. I, I look like shit. I feel like shit. Yeah. I'm all day watching Netflix. I'm not getting any smarter. Mm-hmm. 92% of the information we have is already the same information day in, day out. Exactly. Where's the 8% of the information that's new that I'm applying? Well, I know every show, I know every episode, I know every new song that comes out, does this serve me, right? How do I get out of this cycle? 
I think you need to start with one thing, right? I feel like a lot of times when people to try to change their entire lives and everything about what they're doing, they fail at it. I love that. Right? Right? So I think it's maybe starting with your diet and it could be just maybe including a salad with what you typically eat and just start small because, you know, when you start small, it's going to give you that momentum to keep going and going. And then once you have that down, move on to something else. Maybe you start evaluating your friend group and seeing if, you know, they're lifting you up and if you could even see yourself being in that friend group doing the same things or, you know, moving forward. I think that's been a big challenge for me is reflecting on that. Samantha, hypothetically speaking, let's just say you get one wish to be able to make the world a better place. What wish would that be? Um, That wish would be for, you know, everyone to know that they can rewrite their stories and they have the, the power and the ability to change their story. And it doesn't matter where you came from. You can absolutely change the trajectory of your life. And there's people out there that are rooting for you and want you to win. So, you know, really focus on that vision of your bright future and know that you create your reality. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you so much for we having me. appreciate your story. And I learned so much. I have two daughters. Mm-hmm. So this was fantastic information. And we have a whole company full of women that I know cannot wait to meet you, cannot wait to speak with you. And again, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Perfect. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.